Hello. Hello. So you're at home, a regular evening, like any other, trying to get to sleep. But you decide to go outside, just, you know, in the backyard and smoke a little something to help you relax and keep going the rest of the night, perhaps help you go to sleep. But once you're out there, you realize that you're being prey upon, but something that you can't see at the moment and can't really tell what it is. But all you know is that all of your instincts are telling you to run and also I mean, the Barbie movie's out. Everybody's raving about Barbie. It's an exciting time. Like, you feel like you're reliving your childhood memories, and it's really exciting. But what if Barbie doesn't mean the same to you? What if when you were a kid, watching a Barbie movie and having a Barbie was the worst thing that could have ever happened to you? To the point that when you see the Barbie movie trailer today, all you think about is anxiety and fear. And we all know inflation is at its highest at this point. And times are hard, okay? You hear about this little experiment where you can go, you know, just try out some pills and get some dough. I mean, how hard can it be? Until you find out that you're on a high that could take years for you to come down off. Welcome to another episode of Jenny and Chels. I'm Jenny. And I'm Chels. And boy, do we have good stories for you guys today. Chels, yes, we do. You know, which one? Do, I, I, I actually want to know about the experiment more. Like okay. that high that took years to come down off? Like, <laughs> what? Well, That's I, what you I sound know. more interested in the drug itself. Oh, I'm not saying anything <laughs> the title says it never take drugs capable Ooh. of time dilation Ooh. from what i'd gathered it was supposed to be a quick and simple thing the researchers told me i would take a pill drink some water and sit in a room for 10 minutes afterwards i would receive a payment of five thousand dollars whilst that sounded too good to be through i desperately needed the cash if i didn't want to end up homeless before I was given the pill, they made me sign a document. Standard stuff, I reckon. I was, after all, taking a highly experimental drug. My eyes skimmed over the content. It was a little bit odd. Most of the clauses weren't aimed at my physical health, but rather at my mental health. I would be lying if I said that it didn't freak me out, but at the end, it also certified that I would be paid $5,000. I signed the paper. They left me entirely alone with a room with a bright light hanging from the center of the ceiling. The room was neither large or tiny, but decently spacious. In the upper corners of the room were cameras all pointed towards me. I sat in the middle of the room on a metallic chair that I found rather uncomfortable with a table in front of me. On the table was a couple of things. There were a couple of books the researchers had supplied me with in case I got bored, but I had my phone and I reckoned that would do. There was a glass of water and a pill. The pill lit above a napkin, which struck me as far too expensive. The pill was an ominous black, cold to the touch, and when lifted, quite heavy. It felt like a liquid slushed inside. 
Deciding to make it as easy for myself as possible, I threw the pill into my mouth before I had time to build up anxiety. I grabbed a glass of water and gulped it down. I felt a tingling sensation coming from my chest, but I figured that was a mix of parabola and anxiety. Now, if I'd understood it right, all I had to do was sit still for 10 minutes and then I'll walk out $5,000 richer. That was possibly theft, but I hadn't done anything wrong and the scientists got to blame themselves for their stupidity. After a minute of mindless scrolling on Reddit, my heartbeat became audible. Doom, doom, doom. The sound had never been so clear before, and I took a moment just to listen to it. As I focused, I realized that my heart was becoming slower. Not just a tiny bit slower calm or focus could achieve, but almost as if it was beating at half the speed. Moving my hand, I realized that it too moved at a slower speed. Whoa, this is so cool. I wagered the drug could be a great study tool as I picked up one of the books and flipped over to page one. The sound of my heart beating was still loud but he had faded out to the background like white noise. Despite already going at much slower speed, it seemed to still lessen. I wondered when it would stop. 30 pages of reading later, I realized that the experiment was probably over. The book had really drawn me in and it had me lose track of time. I grabbed my phone, which was an act that took a lot more conscious effort than I thought it would, and checked the time. There were still 8 minutes left. Wow, this slow motion is really strong, huh? I tried to get back into the book, but my mind had simply decided that 30 pages was enough. Without much in the room to turn my attention to, I opened my phone and started a YouTube video which really gave me perspective over how slowly time was passing. I could barely make out words as they were simply being stretched too far. I ended up just closing the video. The person took forever to simply say a word. A single word. I checked the time. Still 8 minutes left. Honestly, I was starting to regret taking this drug. It was pretty boring as an experience, and I guess it was the peak of it. It was obvious to me that time couldn't get much slower. The sound, slow and stretched and booming, shocked me. My pupils jerked around trying to spot the source of the sound, but there was nothing in the room. Dread slowly filled me as I pieced together that the source of the sound was my heart. So much time for such a quick action. I wanted the drug to be over at that point. I tried to push the fright down and focus on reading the book, but simply flipping a page took what felt like many minutes. The sense of boredom kept, kept building up, going past anything I'd ever experienced before. I tried to fidget or move, but even though I could clearly feel the sensation of trying to move, it was like my body wasn't listening. It was clear to me that my mind was moving far too fast for my body to keep up. I decided the best thing to do was to focus on my thoughts and memories and try to entertain myself that way. 
to make the visualization easier as I closed my eyes, which took a full minute. I began by going over my childhood, replaying the memories that meant the most to me, the few precious moments I'd had with my mother before she passed away, the fear at seeing my father angry at me for the first time, kissing my crush for the first time. It filled me with so many emotions, but eventually it became boring and exhausting. Deciding to get back to reading the book, I tried to open my eyes. They weren't opening. I strained them as much as I could, but my vision remained black. My eyelids weren't listening to me, or they were, but the movement was simply too slow for me to notice. When I thought about it, I realized I hadn't heard my heart beating in what felt like forever. The whole time I'd gone over my memories, my heart hadn't beat in a single time. I hadn't taken a breath in that time either. It was simply me, my thoughts in darkness. I broke down. I sobbed, but no noise came out. It was all contained in my head and a deep sinking hole in my chest. I tried to lash out to scream, but my mouth wouldn't move and my tongue wouldn't budge. I wanted all to stop. I was finished, but there was absolutely nothing I could do but wait. For how long? Maybe I could take a nap. Maybe I could fall asleep and when I woke up, this would all be over. That became my plan. But before I could do so, I needed to calm down first. The more I thought about my situation, the more stressful I became. So I tried to put my mind off it and focus on something more pleasant. I did it. I fell asleep. Despite the uncomfortable sitting position and crazy situation, but I woke to the same darkness. Then hours had passed to me and the drug was still impacting me. How long could this go on? A week passed. What had been an uncomfortable situation turned into my worst nightmare. I hadn't want any of this anymore. Honestly, I wanted to die, for all of this to be over, but I had no capability to do so. Maybe, maybe I am already dead. Once I'd gotten the thought, it wouldn't go away. I hadn't heard my own heartbeat in what must have been days, neither that nor my breath. I was sure of it now. I had died. The drug must have induced a fatal reaction. This was death. I was stuck here for the rest of eternity. This was everything. A year passed, or I think a year, but perhaps it was 10 years. During my time, my mind was so starved for attention that it felt like it began eating itself for something to do. I would hear voices speaking to me, screams, horrible and horrifying, see eyes staring at me within the darkness. I'd stopped thinking of myself as me. Any conception of myself had disappeared, and instead there was simply process, and then there was an observer. Then it all stopped. My heart started beating again, and I was breathing and my eyes opened and was sitting in that damn room that I had entered so long ago. It all felt so unreal to me. I had been so sure of my own death. I screamed and screeched and a century's worth of agony poured out of me. My fingers ripped into my skin, drawing crimson. I bashed my head against the table and moved to get out and away from the room. I remember that the researchers restrained me and that I was sent to a psych ward. It took me years before I regained my sanity and even then, nothing was as it was before. I found that 
if it's silent for too long, I have a panic attack. I'd taken legal action and won a meaningless sum of money. They had shown the recording of what happened on that day. I took the pill and two minutes after doing so, I stood up screaming and ripping my own skin. I almost couldn't comprehend the video. Within those two minutes, there had been an eternity. And to this day, I am terrified of what is coming. Even though I know that I can never truly know what happens after death, my mind and I truly believe that death will bring the same eternal darkness and that there is nothing I can do to stop it. I am powerless and condemned to an eternity of torture. And that's the end of this story. Wait, wait. So he woke up from the years or whatever seems like years. But it's only been two minutes. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, yeah. The ten minutes didn't even um, didn't even elapse. After the second minute, he just started. That's when he he felt like it wasn't the he was out of the drug. Like the effects mm-hmm. wore off of time feeling so slow. And meanwhile, it really only had been two minutes, even though That's yeah, insane. it had just been. You know, two. that reminds me of that Black Mirror Mirror, Mirror episode mm-hmm. where, like, I think it's season two, where which the guy one? goes for like this game. I know which one you're talking about. You know, and then he's thinking he spent all this time. Meanwhile, he, he didn't yeah. even make it. Like, they yeah. barely put the thing on his head and he was out already. Yeah. It's but insane. when he was in there, it felt like so much longer. Yeah, he yeah. had a whole life down there. Mm-hmm. Time perspe- perception is very interesting. See, I don't think I would want thing to mess with you that. don't mess with. Like, exactly. No. Now you messed up for the rest of your life. No, we're not doing yeah. that. Panic attacks, if it's quiet for too long, no thank sure. you. I enjoy peace. But... Forever panic attack is what this is. Uh huh. And then he's just afraid of death too, because he's like, he's going to do the same to me. He's gonna feel the same. (laughs) Yeah, that definitely kept me up a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and like when you were telling the stories, and he was like, his tongue wasn't moving. Like I was chuckling a little bit. I was like, wait, what are you doing? I'm like, imagine. I'm just imagining what other people are saying. Because if he's trying to like open his eyes, you Mm -hmm. know and it's super slow basically he would talk he would say like a whole sentence and then it would just take like an hour before his mouth opened and says uh, yep they turn him into the sloth <laughs> meanwhile he already done talking about it he went through two days and had another conversation but it's exactly. still like the first word like what what is he trying to say right trying to tell them they drug me and now i can i i feel like i'm in the dark i think i'm pretty sure i'm but dead like, in and cases blah, blah, blah. like that meanwhile do you even win like even if the money he no. won he still didn't win anything because that didn't there was no consequences really for the company really yeah that that's my that's my my issue with this like five thousand dollars first of all in this economy <laughs> five thousand dollars feels like 500 but um it's just is it so worth all sanity? that i don't think so I really don't think so, Mm-mm. but you you got something about some doobie or something? Um, People messing with drugs too? I'm, it's a trend going on. Let's keep it going. This All one right. says, something is trying to get inside my house. I need help, man. 
I don't know what's going on. I'm fucking scared. None of this makes sense. It just can't be real. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm panicking. I never expected something so terrifying and crazy would happen to me. It's currently like 1.32 a.m. Just under an hour ago. I couldn't sleep and decided to go out for a smoke. I rolled my split, went to the back door, and unlocked it. As I opened the door, I stepped out. I didn't realize something was slightly off when I couldn't hear anything outside. The blood rushing in my ears suddenly deafening. I brushed it off and sat down. It was almost pitch black outside, but my eyes would adjust. As I lit up, I began to hear something around the corner, directly opposite side of the house from where I was. It was like this movement. It sounded kind of clumsy. It was uneven and would stop and start. I was put on edge by it, but stayed out there listening to it. It eventually got closer. I could hear the shifting surfaces and making a different sound, going from grass and leave to the tiles around my house, meaning whatever it was, was much, much closer than I realized. My heart dropped. Deciding I'd had enough of this, I put up my spliff and I went to go inside. Looking in the direction of the back door, I froze. Peeking around the corner was a face and hands just staring at me. It looked eerily familiar, but the darkness obscured the face enough to where I couldn't tell whose face it was. I dared not move a muscle, unintentionally beginning a staring contest from hell. I began to think of an escape route. I could run away from the back door, hop the fence, and run to the front door instead. The only problem being that the back door was still unlocked from when I left. I took my chances and in a split second turned and booked it to the fence, hearing footsteps almost immediately heading towards me at a terrifying and human pace. I screamed as I ran, but some miracle the footsteps didn't advance enough to catch me and I made it to the front door, only to realize too late that I needed my keys to get in. I spun around, expecting the worst, only to find not much better. The whoever, whatever it was, was staring at me again from around the corner. They picked their hands and heads out. I couldn't tell if it was someone I could take on the fight or not because they were obscured by my house in the darkness of the night. But the eyes, they, no, it stared at me with, they bore into me. They were utterly terrifying, unhuman, predatory eyes. I stared back at whatever it was, not daring to break eye contact and tried to remember where my keys were. They were either at the back of the house where I was sitting or the way inside, and in which case, I would have to go through the back door anyway. Both outcomes meant I was slightly fucked. I stared at this horrible thing. The tension hung thick in the air, and the total silence didn't help. I prayed to whatever deity that I would make it back safely, starting to slightly lose hope, but desperately not wanting to admit it. I frantically thought of any kind of solution. I slowly moved my arms down to my pocket for any salvation when I felt my keys. They were on the belt loop the whole time, 
I moved as slowly as I possibly could as to not make any noise and set it off, still silently praying for this to all be a nightmare. With my back still turned to the door, I slowly felt the keyhole. I took my keys, raised them to the door, and psyched myself up. Turned the key, swung the door open, removed the key, and slammed the door shut behind me. I felt the floor the second I got in. I didn't realize I was sweating until I was inside and drenched in it. I slowly gathered myself to get up. I planned to go straight to bed, exhausted from the situation and the day beforehand. But it wasn't over. A tapping sounded from the window right next to the door. My heart sunk once again. I didn't want to look. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell you why, but I did look. Inside was just as dark, but I could see from the slightly brighter sky. The silhouette of that thing standing right outside my window. I felt his gaze burning into me with pure, seething anger. Within a matter of seconds, though, he backed away from the window and walked off, its footstep becoming quieter. I was relieved again until I realized he walked off in the direction to the back door. My heart dropped once more. I had to get there first. I slammed my feet and bolted through the rooms towards the back door, silently praying again as I ran. As I got closer to the door, I heard his terrifying fast footstep on the tiles outside. I dove towards the door and turned the key that was thankfully already there. As soon as I twisted the key enough for it just about to be locked, the footsteps sounded from behind the door and the handle started turning wildly. I barely made it in time. I was relieved once more, almost collapsing to the floor right there and there. I decided to check the rest of the doors and windows throughout my house. I returned to the back door once more. I was satisfied to double check everything. And I did double check everything. It was in order. So I went to leave for bed again. Yet I was stopped again. This time by a voice. Hey, it spoke. I froze. The voice was weird. I can't describe it well. It was a familiar voice, like a friend or something. Innately wrong. The pitch was inconsistent. It sounded warped and unnatural. You opened the door. I jumped at the raised voice he used for the last word. It sounded pieced together, like words from a song that might make sense next to each other, but when taken from different parts of the song, it sounded weird. It was completely, I was completely frozen in place by the voice. Unsure of my next move. What I really wasn't expecting though, was that for my cat's meow to come from the cat flap. All distorted and wrong again. It made me want to cry hearing that. I knew my cat was upstairs. He was sleeping deeply in my bed when I left him. I knelt down and without looking at the plastic window, tried to lock it. I was completely caught off guard when a hand shot through the cat flap and tried to grab me. Thank God he missed me. I jumped back and stared at the dark shape of disgustingly long arm feeling around for me. He moved in a truly unnatural way, like a giant serpent frantically looking for food. It made me feel sick watching it. Another distorted meow came from the door and fell to lure me to it. When it didn't find me, it felt its way up to the door towards the handle and the key that was still in the lock. Without hesitating, I leapt 
towards it, snatched the key out of the door and fell back out of his reach again. He seemed to anger it by doing that. You, he shouted at me. This is going to hurt. It's word unnerved me. I was being patient earlier. I wondered if I, it could have killed me outside. The arms finally slithered back outside. Its face replaced it. I wasn't sure which was worse. I'm gonna come in. The last phrase sounded like something calling from across the room after someone knocked on the door. It was then that I realized why the voice was so familiar. It was my voice. A wave of nausea washed over me. I wanted to be sick. I ran to the bathroom but stopped in the doorway. The urge to throw up melted away as I looked at the canister of hairsprays. I took it with me back to the sting. Its head was pushing the cat flap open when I got there. It was still too dark to see in detail, but I saw my target. I pulled out the my lighter and lit it from the canister. The slight glow from the flame lit up the room just enough for me to see. I wouldn't have looked at his face given the choice, but I was already looking at it when I sparked the lighter. I was looking at my own face. It looked back at me. My heart dropped yet again. Then he smiled at me, a smile wide, too wide for a human. His face was wrong in so many ways, yet it was still on my own face. I didn't understand what made it so unnatural, but it scared me. After finally snapping out of it, I jumped down on the hairspray. A giant roaring fireball lit up the room in orange and landed straight on his face. It screeched in pain in my voice and didn't back away. I felt the hatred in the glare. I sprayed it again and it screeched again. This time though, it twisted and contorted his body slowly fitting through the tiny cat flap. Panic immediately set in. I sprayed it for too long and burnt my fingers pretty bad. Dropped both the lighter and the hairspray. His face was still on fire for a few seconds after. Yet it was unrelenting. It squeezed and pushed its arms through. After it had one arm, it used it to push itself through. It was a horrifying sight watching its unnaturally fold and crumbled part of its own body to get to me. My fight or flight sense finally took a hold of me and sent me sprinting away, shutting all the doors behind me. I'm currently hitting inside my wardrobe. There is blood on my phone from the burns and fingers are blistered. I can hear it trashing every room it enters. It shouts and screaming what I can only assume is frustration. It keeps speaking in my voice, saying things to scare me, I suppose. It's working. I'm scared. I'm terrified. Please, someone help me. And that's the end of the story. My initial reaction, mm. I mean, halfway through, was that, oh, so he can talk. So... I'm here chilling in front. I don't think you're realizing how bodacious this creature is. <laughs> I am <clears throat> in the front. I'm I'm on my porch. I'm rich. I have own house. I have my house. Whether I'm renting it doesn't matter. But I am chilling in front of my home. My safety, without disturbance, you can't bother me. 
and you're asking me to break into my house and you're upset because I won't let you in. First of all, sir, you do not pay rent. That I don't know why that's the, the aspect of the story that's really bugging me. Well, the that fact that he owns there. your face means he owns the place because it's you. You already took my face and you want my place too? <laughs> How greedy can you be? Okay. And then you, my voice too. Because the voice, it, everything. You know, like when I was reading it and like the cut out voice, I just keep thinking about like how like when they do like alien movies and they want to send uh-huh. a message and they do like clips for like different movies and songs to uh-huh. like speak. That's that's what it's, I was seeing as, but like I was thinking something similar too because you know when people get kidnapped and somebody writes like the ransom letter, by yeah, cut out from magazine. the magazine yeah. is literally that, but with voice, mm-hmm. really, exactly, yeah. That that was such a great analogy. Like I really, when they said that, I really got like to feel, but that monster is a really bodacious, audacious, the um, audacity. The Excuse me. In this economy, in this you economy, want a freeload. Thank you. you. I'm, <laughs> you know, it's giving the purge. Like it really is. Me. No, I just for some reason I don't know why, but it's just I I'm getting upset more than scared. I'm like, oh no, okay. you're, you're we're not about to do that. No, no. But, yeah, that, that that's what I had for the story. Okay, what is give us the Barbie story now? I wanna, oh, you want a little treat? I want to okay, know so, Barbie girl. Um, yes, I was a Barbie girl, so I um I I definitely wanted to do that because I feel like you you you'll get it. I've always been afraid of Barbie. Is the title something about that perturbing plastic face? Forced to don an eternal smile has always filled me with a bottomless well of dread. I think everybody finds dolls unsettling. It's the uncanny valley. And do you know what makes Barbie the worst doll of all? That beaming, idealistic smile. In the summer of 2006, at the age of eight, I learned that my fear was anything but irrational. Anna, look! My friend Lulu squealed excitably at the TV. I gulped at the dancing Barbie doll on the screen. She was humming this dreadful, dissonant tune, some monstrous magician's idea of feel-good music, clearly someone or something that had never experienced joy. Everything was ever so slightly off about the advert, but Lulu didn't seem to notice, or she didn't care. Ring the number below for the Barbie hotline. The first 100 callers will receive a free doll. The garbled, poorly recorded voice gleefully proclaimed. My friend gasped and then she rapidly uncrossed her legs and hurried to the phone in the hallway. My instincts were on fire. I wanted more than anything to scream at Lulu to stop dialing, but my vocal cords failed me. Hello, Lulu giggled into the receiver. Is this the Barbie hotline? I'm calling about... Oh no, wait! Yes! Yes! Thank you! My address is... Oh, okay! Thank you so much! When she hung up the phone, I was overcome by an even deeper wave of dread. A feeling that my fear of Barbie dolls had always been completely justified. I didn't know what we had just seen on TV, but I knew it was no normal advert. 
What happened? I asked. I want a free Barbie, Lulu squealed. You should bring them too, Anna. I hate Barbie dolls, I shuddered. How are they going to deliver it to you? You didn't even give them your address. They already know it, Lulu giggled. <laughs> they already know it, Lulu giggled. I couldn't stop thinking about the horrifying revelation as I walked home. That night, melting plastic and a static TV screen plagued my dreams. Barbie-themed nightmares were nothing new to me, but this was something else, something real, and I didn't know why Lulu couldn't see that. The next day at school, my friend came bouncing up to the lockers, grinning from one dimpled cheek to the other. Take a look at this, she squealed joyously. I already knew what she was going to pull out of her pink rucksack. And sure enough, Lulu produced a blonde-haired Barbie doll with a frilly yellow dress, a polypropylene nightmare. That was quick, I whispered. <laughs> it came this morning, Lulu laughed. Mad, isn't it? Mama was a bit annoyed at me, but I told her it was free. That word really creeped me out, Lulu, I said. I think you should get rid of that thing. Lulu rolled her eyes as she opened her locker. You're such a weirdo sometimes, Anna. And then my friend unleashed an almighty gasp. <gasps> what? I whimpered. No way. <laughs> she giggled. Lulu pulled a flyer from the locker and jubilantly thrust it into my hands. Barbie loves you, Lulu. Do you want to see what else is free? You need only look for the Barbie truck. The bell rang out for the first lesson before I could say anything, but Lulu spent the whole day freaking out over the flyer. I, on the other hand, was growing more fearful by the second. During our lunch break, I decided to try a new technique to deter Lulu from this foolish endeavor. We're going, we're getting a little old for Barbie, aren't we? I asked. Stop being lame, Anna, Lulu groaned. And then a familiar sound interrupted our argument. Dissonant notes, the melody of malice from the Barbie advert. My friend and I shut our eyes to the main road, just beyond the gates to the playground. None of our classmates seemed to notice the van, painted as long faded, peeling pink, as he pulled to a stop outside our school. And in bright white letters, the side of the vehicle read, The Barbie truck. Dreams cost nothing. Oh. My. Word. Lulu gasped. Any concept of stranger danger had fled her hampered instincts. Ever since she saw that advert, my friend had been utterly transfixed, beyond salvation, and she sprinted towards the gates before I had the chance to stop her. Lulu! I screeched. My terrified outburst seemed to confuse several classmates. They were all oblivious to the obscenely pink untoward van oblivious to the man in the driver's seat who beckoned Lulu closer, oblivious to his haunting, haunting appearance. But I saw it all. Once Lulu had clambered into the passenger seat of the pink truck from some hellish realm, the driver turned to face me. It was a plastic face with an eternal, motionless smile. I screamed as the vehicle vanished with my captive friend, its piercing tune fading into the distance. Lulu was gone. Anna, Miss Walker called. What's wrong? I was shaking profusely at this point, gripped by terror that would lead to a decade of therapy. And I'd say I'm more broken now than I was at that time. I'll get to that. It's, 
it's Lulu, I sobbed. Who? Miss Walker asked. Lulu, I repeated. She's been taken. Who's Lulu? Miss Walker asked. I was inconsolable for the rest of the day. The horror of my best friend's kidnapping was superseded by everyone's sudden memory loss. Nobody remembered Lulu, not a single teacher or classmate. My mom came to pick me up and she was just like the others. Is Lulu your imaginary friend? She softly asked. Mom, I cried, she's been my friend since nursery. Her parents, Mr. and Mrs. Hawk, I go to her house all of the time. My mom frowned. I don't know Mr. or Mrs. Hawk, Hannah. Is this about something else that's happening at school? And as I would find out the following day, after a bike ride to my friend's house, her own parents had forgotten her. I peeked into Lulu's bedroom window from the main road, and it had transformed into a guest room. What was a plastic? What was that plastic thing in the van? How did he erase my friend from existence? And why am I posting this after so many years? Well, I just saw a disturbing advert for the new Barbie film on the side of a bus. At the bottom was the hotline number, the exact same one from that terrible childhood advert. I blinked, leaned in closer, and he was gone. But I know what I saw for a fleeting moment. Just as I know, I saw the bus driver's plastic face and soulless smile. And that is the end of the story. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So, Barbie kidnapping people? <laughs> or the Barbie people? This is giving us. <laughs> yeah it is giving it's, it's us it's very much giving us and yeah i would never been a barbie person like i had mm-hmm. dolls and stuff but i was never obsessed with barbie like you i don't know? know like growing up it wasn't like here when i got here and then everybody's talking about you know like the unrealistic standards and to me it was just a doll I just played with the doll and I was over it. And I don't think all it my Barbie, ready. all my dolls were like the actual Barbie dolls. Cause I remember like one of my favorite dolls was like one of those like baby looking dolls. Oh, oh, so you like the creepy, creepy ones. Okay. You know, that's the one that I had. You had like this ball <laughs> head and I'll put it on my back and the grandmas mm-hmm. and the aunties would yell at me on the street thinking it was a kid. Cause the head would be like dangling on the side and they're like, look at you, oh, this God. baby. You know, they'll yell at me. And I didn't can't think much neck. of it. And like here is where like people are like, oh, you know, setting unrealistic standards and there was no variety. And that I completely agree with. But I feel like mm-hmm. maybe it's because growing up, although I played with the doll, everybody around me just looked just like me. So I didn't have to compare myself to the doll or whatnot, you know? But yeah, yeah I think that could a... never be me because I I really <laughs> I really didn't care for Barbie like that. This is definitely a good point. I um, that's a little different for me because I don't like the side of me that Bobby brought out. Mm-hmm. So I I had two phases. The first was because uh, I really like the Bobby stories. I don't know, but they used to be those very thick comic books, and the pages were like nice and shiny and soft, and like I loved the feel of them. And it was all color, mm-hmm. which was really cool. And um, so it was like a a cartoon book of Barbie. I love that. There and was then, such things. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. And I still, to this day, I still remember the name of the girl who stole mine and acted like she never did. Yeah. Like she, I was, I was about seven, I think, oh six or seven. And she wanted to borrow it. Are you okay? Yeah, I, I, I don't need therapy. I just, if you want another story, my parents had gotten me that and it was a pretty expensive book. Oh they told me God. not to lend it to people. I was like, no, but that's okay. She's my friend. So I lent it to her. And then after I give it to her, she's like, what are you talking about? You never gave it to me. I was so, to this day, I still remember her name. I will I think, never forgive her. I, I think we should find her on Instagram or Facebook <laughs> and ask her what she did with that Barbie. Like, we're like, we know I you did it. Just admit it. Can you just admit you're wrong? I don't, to return my book and then we can talk. <laughs> return my book and then we can talk. And I don't know if that's what happened, but after that, I just started like, um, not beheading, but separating the head from oh. the bodies of my Barbies. Are, I would give them like me creepy. They started your serial killer face. Is that what you did? I just me? might have. I just might have. That was your you thirsty know? reason why? Like when the it girl was, stole it? <laughs> it was, that, was, that was your villain origin it story. <laughs> it was my villain origin story. Because oh I just started mistreating my Barbies after that. So, what did Barbie yeah, do to I you? Think... She didn't decide to walk away. You gave her away. You and then she kept you. it. <laughs> she kept it. And it loses. Oh, I'm excited for the Barbie my movie. Lord. <laughs> and it loses. That, that we get that therapy session out of the way. Oh yeah. So you go. I'm gonna send you the bill because I'm charging you for this realization. Okay. Whatever. All right, guys. So let us know what you thought of the stories. Thank you for joining us today. And to the next episode. Go ahead and listen to all of the other episodes that we have out for you. Like, subscribe, yes, I guess. Till then, bye. bye.